I was looking online at people talking about this like quote unquote chill millennial manager concept. Like, <laughs> so the concept is that millennial managers are more accommodating, they're more open-minded. So are you a millennial manager or a boomer manager? I'm gonna be honest, I think I might be more of a boomer manager. <laughs> You know, they say women shouldn't be bossy. We're out here reclaiming that word. What's so wrong with being the boss? I'm Tara Reed, the CEO of a multi-million dollar ed tech business. And I'm Katie Gaddy Tossan, better known as Money with Katie on the internet. At our core, we're driven by a shared ambition to build our own mini empires. Welcome to Bossy. So something big that I've realized recently is that if you think that you are not good at delegating, it might be because you are getting something from being a bad delegator. Ooh. Oh, oh, which means <laughs> I'm now struggling with this and looking at my life a little bit differently. Are you a bad delegator? Well, you know what? I actually have a I would like to turn the question around to you. I'm seeking some Tara spin, if that's okay. <laughs> Okay, we're back in the terrace. We're back in the spin zone. But I do think that this is going to be helpful for okay. our listeners because I, I feel like every other day I text you and I'm like, what's terrace spin for XYZ? So today I would like to know, what is terrace spin for, hey, I don't think I'm the one that should be doing this, right? Like, how do I graciously, if someone gives me something to do on my team, how do I graciously kind of be like, I actually think that this is your job or like maybe you should run with this instead what is the yeah. terrorist okay wait so this is someone who works for you or you work for them or they're a peer because i think how you spin right. things to get someone to like do what you need them to do is different in each let's of say it's it's more of a peer it's more of someone that you know i wouldn't categorize it as they work for me but maybe it's a peer um or someone on a different team and i'll just give you an example yeah so i'm making this up but let's say someone came to me and said like hey can you actually like you know edit these ad reads can you run through and give these an edit check and i'm like i mean i could but i don't know that that's the best use of my time so it's not that it's beneath me by any means it's just that on the list of priorities today is probably not the thing that i should be doing so how do i kind of reallocate that task okay (laughs) elsewhere okay so i think and and the terrace bin i would define we've talked about this before i would call the terrace bin getting someone to see why they should do exactly what you need them to do like why Mm. having them feel like it's a great idea it's their idea it's in their best interest right Mm -hmm. okay so i think if you're trying to do this with a peer it's about like doing these like role and responsibility clarifications and maybe being like, hey, I just want to make sure I'm doing all the things that are part of my job to support you and vice versa. Right. So sort of like make it about I want to make sure I'm doing what you need from me and vice versa. So here's what I understand. I understand these sorts of things. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Those are my job to do. And these sorts of things you might cover. Do I get that right? Is that right? Do I understand that? Okay, perfect. I think one thing that would really help me rocket on these things is if you could help me with insert the task they literally just asked you to do. (laughs) Right. I think that would be the framing. I would spin it a little bit differently if it's like your boss or or an employee of yours, but that's how I would do that. Well, let's do those two, actually. Give me the terrorist spin if it's someone that you technically report to or you would be, this is my boss. I'm kind of telling my boss that, like, hey, I don't think this is my job. Okay, so the boss one has some similar parallels. It's like, I I think you want to list all the things, something you recently did that they loved. Like, they Mm. loved that you did this thing. And then you want to say one thing that would help me do more of that is if you got me more resources for this insert thing that they're asking you to do that just like you don't want to do or it's not your job. So I think it's all about framing up like how this is good for them. And I think your boss wants you to do more about that, more of that thing that you won, like, you know, accomplished that they want you to do more of. And your peer wants to do more of the stuff that's in their own zone of genius. So that's how I would like play that to spin it. I like that. I think that there's... There's an interesting thing here when it's someone that that dynamic of someone reporting to you where I feel like you have a playbook for this that would be useful. So maybe for that one, can we talk about the playbook? Because I remember a couple weeks ago I called you and I was panicking about something and you're like, listen, (laughs) about managing people like people on your team as an entrepreneur. You're like, this is the problem. And it was I think at the time, though, it was me not getting 
what I wanted when I was yeah. trying to advocate for something and you being like, well, you're playing it wrong. So let me tell you why you're playing it wrong. Yeah. Okay. So there are some things that I think are really helpful with just what I've learned about being a manager. And I think the first thing that I've really learned that's really helped me is like setting really tight expectations about how I expect my team to operate. So I do this thing, I probably do it every six to eight months with my team. And what I do is I give my team reading in advance. I'm like, here's an article we're gonna talk about in the team meeting, right? Read it real quick so we can talk about it. Okay. And the article is this medium article called How to Be an Effective Early Stage Employee. That's what it's called. And it has like a one through five scale. Right. So these numbers on one through five are how you operate in a business. Mm -hmm. And so I when we actually talk about it, I ask people to rate themselves. Where do you think you're operating on average? You normally at a one, you normally at a five. Where are you? So that's kind of this article that I give people and I use it for how I expect them to operate in the team. Can I interject that I actually love that that's how you set the stage? Because I think that while it is very direct and active, it feels a little bit less aggressive mm. than being like, here, this is a level three to communicate with me. Like, I think if someone said that to me, I'd be like, oh, gosh, like they have they've, they've worked out a level system versus like, hey, here's an article that I think is really helpful Let's no, after I share the article and they keep operating at a lower level, then I definitely reply back and I say, this message feels a little bit too low of a level. Can you try it again mm -hmm. at a higher level? So I definitely do that because you have to maintain the quality of how people operate. But like, let me tell you what the levels are really okay. quickly. So level one is when you tell your boss that there's a problem. So you're like, here's the issue and you just walk away. You leave <laughs> them to deal with all of it. And most of y'all do that at your job all the time. You just tell your boss there's a problem. You never really like do anything about it. I don't have any solutions. I I just know it's a problem. <laughs> and if you're an entrepreneur, you know this is so annoying because, like, everybody just put it on you to figure it out. Have you experienced this, level one operator? Oh, my gosh. Well, I've experienced it. I've also done it to others. That's mostly why I'm laughing. <laughs> yes, we are all guilty of the, the low level one. Okay, level two is where you tell your boss, like, here's the problem, and I investigated some causes of the problem. Like, I know we, we signed a new client. We don't have capacity. That's the problem. But, like, it's the job posting is not really for, for, for the customer success person that will give us capacity, it's not getting a lot of responses. Like that's the, the prob probable issue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a level two. Okay. Level three is where you give some possible solutions. So here's the problem. I found some causes. Here are some solutions. Just right there, like you know most people are not operating at a level three. Yeah, that seems pretty advanced to me based on the workspaces that I've That's been a hot mess though, because like that's pretty <laughs> low. That's pretty low. So I think like with entrepreneurship, and I think this is why I shared this article with people, like yeah. this is not a big bloated company where everybody's doing each other's jobs. This is a small team. You are important. You cannot operate at a three. Yeah. Three is too low. <laughs> I just love that Tara, Tara is bringing the, like, get it together. Get your shit together, get it together. energy. Okay, what's a four? Okay. What's, like, slightly better? Four, slightly better. And this is, like, I think the bare minimum, right? Bare minimum for a startup. For a startup. For, for a, a small startup. team, yes. For a small team startup. So here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think caused it. Possible solutions. And of the solutions, this is the solution I think you should pick. Yes, the recommendation. The recommendation. Right. I think if you controversial opinion, if you work at a startup, that level four of operating is like what you got to strive for. Otherwise, you're useless. Mm. So what's interesting about this is that I actually noticed someone I was in a meeting with the other day do this. this you were rating them. And I was sitting there thinking, what did she just? Well, I didn't have this framework at the time. But as I'm talking to her, she's like, so these are the issues that we have. These are the possible solutions. I'm going to tell you three. I'm going to tell you why I recommend two. And what's going to happen if we choose to? And I was like, oh, my God, I am just being blown away by competence right now. It just gives like, you that, like, competence vibe. It is. It is great. It inspired such trust in me where I wasn't sitting there. I mean, I felt like I she was basically doing it for me and then just being like, yes or no. Like, yeah. you good with that? I'm going to go do that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So. In level a, four feels really good when you're on the receiving end of it. Level four feels great. So like, what's five then? How can we level that up even further? Okay. So the last level of this, level five, is where you add to this, and you kind of actually said a little bit. Level five, you add to this. Just want to let you know, I already am working on the solution. It's already done, or I already started working on it. Just keeping you in the loop. Love that. I think it works best if you have 
that unilateral decision-making power. I think sometimes you could just go ahead and run with Mm -hmm. it. I've also been in situations where I think my manager would have been like, oh, no, 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 you can't just do that without checking in. Like, so I think it depends on how much power you have in the organization and whether it's within your scope to be making those calls. But I do think if you do, I like level five a lot. But I think realistically, if you report to someone else, four or some four and a half is probably I'm trying where to you're going to be. As I hear you saying this, I'm trying to imagine someone who works for me saying that too. Like, mm. I can imagine someone saying, well, I didn't, like, Tara didn't give me authority to, like, make this decision, so I couldn't do level five. And my preference is that you just go, you made the decision, and ask for forgiveness later. What is that phrase, like, you ask for? Yeah, it's ask for forgiveness, not permission. Uh, yeah. Okay. Go. I, literally, as a leader, I have decision fatigue all the time. Yeah. I'm making decisions left and right. Like, I would love, particularly, like, a smaller decision. Actually, a big decision. Go make it first, and then we can, like, talk about it later. I think also, too, like, so much of startups is, like, we've got to go. we got to, like, move fast and break things. And I would rather you make a decision, and we can reel it back later. I think that's funny because it's probably what you're hitting on is that you have to know your leader's preference because some people probably are like you and think I don't even if if you think you know what to do I trust you go do it don't come to me and put this on my plate first there are also probably some leaders that do not feel that way yeah so there's like an interesting dynamic of do you think that there's an artful way to I mean you might just know based on the personality of the person how involved they want to be I think the way you could do level five if you're not sure yeah is say I'm going to start working on I'm going to start working on this just confirming I have the green light. That's good. I like that line. Just confirming. And I think after you do that a couple times, I think that person who's giving you green light consistently would be like so amazed. Like mm-hmm. this would line The thing is, here's the thing. The thing that lines you up perfectly for the promotion is actually continuing to take those risks of like I'm already working on it. I got it. Mm, that competence. Okay. So it's kind of like the risk Right. Of like, oh, they might get upset. But also that's the thing that gives you the promotion. Hmm. Okay, I like it. A little risk reward. Yeah. 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 I think so. Well, it's funny because I think when I worked in corporate America or what I'll call corporate America. Yeah. I think I was actually quite good at this. I think that I was pretty good at always coming with solutions, maybe not saying this is what I'm going to do. I don't think I had that level of wherewithal, but I think I generally understood that, like, you should not just walk up to your boss and like dump a problem in their lap and be like, okay, see ya. Good luck with that. But I do think that it has, for whatever reason, I think I've backslid a little bit in my own business Mm. because I think when you're operating as a startup within a startup, there are are times where I would want to convey that something was hard. It was like I wanted them to know that I was up against something. And I think that part of the Mm. reason, and I've almost noticed other people too do this, where you really want the person to know, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so busy. There's so many. This is, like, this huge, hairy issue. It's so like, you're harping on the issue, which is the level one, and it sort of feels like that's all you're giving. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and that it's it's that – but that you're getting something out of that. It's not that you don't have solutions. It's not that you don't have a recommendation. Mm. It's just that you really want that person to understand just what you're up against. And I think upon further reflection for myself when I've been – when I've been trying to improve upon this is – is this a defense mechanism? I'm trying to set myself up now to be like, if this flops or I fail, at least you knew how hard it was along the Ooh. way so that I'm now not looking so culpable. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It feels weak sauce to me. It is weak sauce. Yeah. That's the problem. But I think when you can recognize that that's what you're doing or you're trying to convey like yeah. how busy and stressed and how much and oh, my gosh, and then this is going wrong. And it's like but that energy when you're on the receiving end of it is like, I can't deal with that. Like, I don't yeah. want any part of that. And also it overwhelms you like you mm-hmm. get overwhelmed as an entrepreneur. You're already overwhelmed as an entrepreneur because there's so many decisions to make. There's so many different directions to go. So then you harping on the problem without I looked at the solutions because sometimes you have to do this system for yourself. Yes. Right. I'm, you tell yourself, particularly when you're a solopreneur, I looked at the problem. I looked at the solutions. This is the one I think we should pick. I actually think most entrepreneurs fail and never get past a certain phase because they aren't able to go, I looked at the options. Decisive. This is the one I think I should pick. They're not even doing this to manage themselves. Mm. That's why they're stuck in entrepreneur. 
from a management standpoint, yeah, you made a comment about you have to maintain this. This is an expectation you set and you keep coming back to. <laughs> so I want to get deeper there because I do think that there is a level. I don't love the word empowerment. Like there's something about it that I think there's there is value in conveying to someone, hey, you're empowered to do X, Y, Z. But I think that that only goes so far if your actions are not backing it up as a leader or yeah. if your like consistent communication style is not backing that up. Yeah. So let's talk about that. How do you maintain this expectation? Is it as simple as the... I saw this. I saw myself do this maintenance when I was finding the article. So you had texted me about this and you're like, what do you think I should do about a scenario? And I was looking for the article for you. So I searched my Slack channel to find the article and I found <laughs> the instances of me messaging people with this with this article. Right. So one of the instances is someone messaging me. It's interesting because this person's not on my team anymore. Talk your shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, well, sometimes sometimes you like work really hard to manage with someone and they still don't get to performing at a high level. That's a real thing, right? But anyway, this person had messaged me. The message was like, here's what I found kind of message. And it wasn't responding to me asking a question. It was just like, here's the information. Learn. And I replied and I said, this feels like a level one or two comment. Can you try again at a level four or five was the Slack message. <laughs> so like, and I was like, like kind of laughing at myself at that message. But like then she replied back at a level four or five. She knew what she I was talking it. about mm -hmm. because like we had been talking about it in the team meeting. By the way, when we do this in the team meeting, I share it in advance. Everybody reads. And then we do a little like Zoom breakout room. We do it in small groups because there's like 15 people now. So we do it in small groups of a conversation about what level do you think you operate now? What's your goal for your next mm. level? You don't have to like jump to a five if you're operating at a one normally. What do you jump to? And also we get to talk about like what are the things in the way? Like I remember someone in the last conversation on my team was like, I, to be honest, I just prefer when people just tell me what to do. Hmm. Interesting. And we had a conversation about like, that's fine. It's just not going to get you very far right. as a company. There's an inherent limitation. There's an inherent limitation. And also, like, why work at a startup? Why be around entrepreneurship if you're not going to operate that way? But I think that's how I maintain that level, that standard in the team. When people don't operate that way, and frankly, like, when I'm starting to get bugged, I just reply back with, like, hey, can you adjust the level? Dude, this was so meta, though, because I texted you. I said, hey, how should I, like, this This is happening. What do I do? And you were like, check out the link. And I was like, did you just Did you just tell me? Like, it felt like you were. Do your own research, It felt girl. like you were going, this is a level two question come back at me with the five like yeah I, you you were like no 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 no. i'm just saying like it's in the you know it's in that article whatever and i was like mm, she just level two'd my ass really hard i think you will find that you are much happier as an entrepreneur if you operate yourself at a level five and if you keep people around you who operate as close to five as possible yeah yeah yeah, yeah point blank period well a lot of these learnings came up during the um, little mini CEO retreat that I did. And I had an interesting finding about delegation that I think is really valuable. I think it's going to resonate for a lot of people is that I always thought that I was bad at delegating because, oh, well, I'm the best one to do this. Like, no one's going to do it like I do it. I'm Katie and I got the best brain on the, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm thinking that like no one yeah. is going to. But I think what it actually is, is that when I sat back and I looked at like, okay, let's power rank these tasks of like the needle movers, the high priority stuff, the big picture vision versus the like keeping the wheels on versus the like really small day-to-day -day tasks. I like to go down in that little day-to-day -day area and just start checking things off the list because it feels really good. And I think part of the reason I, I shy away from cleaning that plate so that I can focus on those bigger picture things is because I don't necessarily trust consciously or subconsciously that that is where my time is best spent or that I'm going to really be able to fulfill that role for myself. Wait, I have a question. So what's an example of the type of task that's kind of like kind of in the weeds that you end up doing? And what's an example of a type of task that you feel like you should be or you're not you're not moving to right now? Just so I have a, a frame of reference. OK, so a good example would be I write the scripts for the podcast yeah. and then someone else will edit them. And then I go back through and like accept edits and copy edits and revisions and things of that nature. Okay. Sometimes I'm like, 
why am I accepting edits on like a comma? Like this is dumb. I Ooh. this is this is, I should not be like in this level of detail for this script. You I already, really should not. I already said what I needed to say. I put it in the script. Just trust the editor to like give you the final copy once it's ready. You don't need to be playing, you know, pass the baton back and forth. So that's an example of a small thing that will, you know, it takes up a lot of time. It has to happen every single week. I would say a bigger picture vision thing would be something to the effect of new product development. This is like, how do we add something else to the product suite? And that's that's hard work, right? That takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy and thought. And you have to be really engaged. And there's no clear cut answers. There's no checking it off the list. It's it's not as satisfying of a task, but oh my God, that is a needle mover. That could be hundreds of thousands of dollars in incremental revenue if done well. But it's like, I won't even give myself the space and time to go think about those things. Because once you start thinking about them, mm. you kind of got to face the, the skeletons in the closet a little bit and and face the fact that maybe you don't really have that many good ideas right now. And like, that's a little uncomfortable. Uh, so deep down, most people feel imposter syndrome about delegating. Like that's really what's underneath there. I you think, think so. you feel imposter syndrome? Yes. About delegating. I think I feel imposter syndrome about delegating because I don't trust that that getting those things off my plate will make me more effective at something else. Do I think that's not, what I gotta work through. Do you not trust, you maybe feel like you, the big things, you don't trust yourself doing the big things, mm -hmm. or you don't trust that someone else is better at you at the small things. Like those are slightly different. Yes, right. I think I don't trust myself to do big things. I don't think I gotta be the one that's editing the copy and everything, you know, like that, there are better editors than me for sure. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the former and that's harder to fix. Like, I think that is harder to fix because that comes down to do you have the belief in your ability to set the vision and, and find the needle movers and that's way harder. Yeah, and then I think the thing about the imposter syndrome when it comes to this is it shows up in slightly different ways. Like, like sometimes it shows up as, oh, I just really love doing the little stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I just really like that stuff. No, I'm doing it because <laughs> I like it. Right. Sometimes it shows up in like, I can't afford someone to do the big stuff and to like help me with the other stuff. The reason I have to do all this stuff is because I can't afford someone else to do it. Like I, my mom is also an entrepreneur. Sometimes I hear her saying that where she can't afford it. Hmm. And I'm like, well, did you try? What did you, what, like how much do you think you have to pay for them? And once we actually talk through it, it kind of aligns like, well, I probably could get somebody part-time. If you probably could get someone to like help. And so I think the imposter syndrome is an interesting one because we start creating these stories and we really believe believe them like mm -hmm. we really believe it's not possible I know I do this too I think one of mine is for sure of the like oh I don't want I can't get someone who's like senior enough mm. um at that level I won't be able to attract that talent I do that too I see that in like both me and my mom where we do that the senior junior dynamic is interesting too because even once you get to the point that you realize you do want to hire someone, it can be difficult to know what level of experience you should be bringing someone in. Because there is a, yeah. I think that sometimes like not every job is good for a senior level person. Like Correct. you don't need a senior level person in every single role. Okay, so debate. When you're starting a business, who do you think you should hire first? Like a junior person or a senior person? I'm gonna go someone who's junior, but really smart and really hungry. And the reason I say that is because I think someone who's smart and hungry is gonna really work at it. And while I think the experience that a senior brings to the table can be excellent, I worry that there, I'm seeing this with the founder that I'm helping right now, that the senior level people they want, they're all used to managing teams of like 12 that do the work for them. And so they don't really want to get into the weeds. They don't wanna do the day to day. And that's yeah. tough. I think there's also a wrong kind of senior. There's senior with experience at small teams and there's senior experience at big corporations. Yes. And those are not transferable skills. What you do not want if you're starting a business is the senior person from big companies spending a lot of time in your company and doing that role. Mm -hmm. Because to your point, like they just can't. They almost like don't know how to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. you don't, they've never really done it before. Or it's just been so long. It's been so long since they've done Like they're like give, gonna give you consultant brain where in theory that would be a good idea. But like let's talk about actual reality where we have to roll up our sleeves and do it. So I think that's actually like not a great way to go. I think though that there's a good kind of senior. I almost wish I had gone senior in my employees earlier. 
That's I think interesting. I'm just now getting to a place where I'm bringing on more senior people. And so much of me not bringing on senior people earlier was just pure imposter syndrome, like feeling like I wasn't going to be able to attract mm. that person. Then once I started getting over that, I was like, dang, look how just faster this person can go, how much more they can get done. I had a my executive coach made this comment to me that really stung. And he was like at the end of the meeting, we were talking about stuff and we were talking about the team. And he was like, yeah. And then also in our next meeting, let's talk about getting you some thought peers. Thought peers. What is a thought peer? Yeah, like that really kind of like mess with my head, right? So thought peer is someone who can sit down with you as an equal, right? Mm. Even though you're the CEO, can sit down with you as an equal and sort of like brainstorm ideas, come up with a plan. They tell you what the plan is because you tell everybody else what the plan is in other areas. They In their area, they tell you what the plan is. Did you feel like when you started bringing senior people on, I mean, it sounds like you noticed a difference right away. Talk to me, though, about the difference in cost associated with making that jump from junior to senior. Was it yeah. like what you expected? Because no. I think that's a concern of mine. No. What I learned is that the kind of person I was looking for, right, someone who not necessarily has like a C-suite role at a big company because mm-hmm. that doesn't parallel to a C-suite role in my company. But that that person is miserable at their existing job, <laughs> has a ceiling where they're like a go-getter. They want to go do something, but they're kind of blocked. And they also deep down would love to be this, this ideal person. They would love to be in entrepreneurial pursuit. Mm. And so they think you're cool. Like, I think one thing most entrepreneurs underestimate in recruiting people to work with them is how cool people think they are as an entrepreneur and how aspirational that is, particularly today, right, where entrepreneurship is cool. And people want to learn from that, be around that. They want to have this opportunity to, like, move the needle and make a big change. If I think about myself at corporate, like, the biggest thing that was annoying to me was how hard it was to get things done Mm, how hard it was to move the needle forward and that's the thing I should use to recruit I'm not going to win with the money but what I can win with is like the ability to move the needle the ability to see how you want to launch your own business for me to show you like we'll have some extra like I've had recruiting scenarios where that person wanted to be an entrepreneur and I was like great let's add on an extra one-on-one a week where I just show you like the P&L of the company and the business decisions that we're making so you get that there's all kinds of other things that I can negotiate to get someone that. who's great. And I think the pay difference was maybe a little bit more, but it wasn't radically. I really like that. I mean, that, frankly, it kind of strikes me like Terraspin. It's like, well, <laughs> let me sell you on what's in it for you and why this is in your best interest. Yeah, I'm not going to pay you what what Apple could pay you. No. But like, so one thing, though, that, that I think helps or one thing that might be a good, like, stepping stone yeah. is from a management perspective, maybe you're not going to go out and recruit a bunch of senior people, but maybe you've already got some good junior level or, like, junior plus, we'll say, level yeah. people, and you want to nurture and grow them. I think the level one through five is a good way to do this. Yes. I also think I have observed you doing this with your team where – you and you may have said this in a previous episode, but I can't remember if it was that or if we were just talking. But you told me that you basically go to them and you say, you tell me what I should care about. You tell me what's on on the docket this week. I'm not I'm not directing oh, you. Yeah, you're in control and you're filling me in. And I think that that is a really interesting way to grow people and help them step into that larger role where maybe they start with you as a junior. But like after they're doing that with you for a while, I could see a, a scenario wherein like, yeah. Well, now you've, you've kind of like built a senior in-house in a way. Yeah, I think that's right. I do think you can probably coach someone, particularly a small business, from like mid to senior. Like they can go sort of like one step. I think in general, just the pace of most small businesses and stuff we got to get done, mm-hmm. the person, people usually grow slower than the company might. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that's, that's not the right fit. But definitely what I do do, this is something new I'm trying. So this quarter, I'm trying to manage more through questions. So what that means is I have one-on-ones. Anybody who reports to me, we have one or two one-on-ones a week. And I'm trying more in that meeting to get them to tell me what they need and what the plan is instead of me telling them. And the way I'm doing that is just asking. So tell me about, like, which of the three projects, like, quarter priorities are you working on this week? 
Mm. Okay, so of that, like, what would you say, how would you say that fits into our larger business strategy? Like, why is it important that we do that? Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. what would 100% completion look like for that? And it, it's a little bit more conversational than I'm saying it right now, but I'm asking probing questions. What would 25% completion look like? Okay, let's, like, can we write them down? Like, do you mind getting up an, a Google document? Let's write them down. Okay, who do you need to get involved? Like, is there anything you need from me? What are the different milestones? I'm just asking questions. Mm-hmm. I'm intentionally, because what I used to do was just tell them yes. those things. Right. And that don't work long term. Okay, so in the comments, if you're a YouTube viewer in the comments, can you write down how you would implement this for yourself? Because now my wheels are turning and I'm like, how could I? I think there's a broader framework that has to be put in place first so people aren't suddenly like, wait a second, what? Goals for the quarter? Like, we don't have goals. What are you talking about? But put in the comments how you could see this working for your business and we will be right back after a quick break. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I was looking online at people talking about this, like, quote unquote, chill millennial manager concept. (laughs) Like people talk about this on TikTok. So the concept is that millennial managers are more accommodating. They're more open minded. Um, And so like it'll be like a meme where like the employee is like, I need to leave early. So I like but I'll just get everything done. Like, I'll just do it later. I'll get it done tomorrow. And the millennial manager is like, no problem. (laughs) Or like the employees, like, um, I really didn't like how you gave feedback. And the manager goes, you know what? Like, you got a point. Like, I, I see. I you know, see it's that. so funny. There's this gal named Corporate Natalie who does videos like this, but it'll be like POV. You're giving feedback to Gen Z. Yeah. And she'll be like, so loved what you presented in that meeting. However, when you told the client that their idea was gas, I don't know that they quite knew what you so it's really, really cute. I actually think it's funny, too, because my friend McCall texted me the other day and she goes, OK, this might be so boomer of me. But like yeah. she'll, she'll tell me these opinions. She'll be like, I think I'm a boomer on the inside. What and I'm like, sometimes say? I have some boomer takes, too, or I'll say things and be like, that's what you OK, so are you a millennial manager or a boomer manager? I, I know the difference. I'm going to be honest. I think I might be more of a boomer manager. <laughs> Okay, I think boomer manager is more like you've got to get it done. You got to get it done on the right time. That's and me. like, I'm not going to accept. We're not going to talk about our feelings on this. We're just going to get it done. Is that boomer manager? Yeah, I mean, I do. I feel like it's. I'm like half and half because I think I will indulge the millennial side. But then there are a lot of times where I want to be like, I don't want to talk about feelings. I just want to talk about how we're going to get results. And mm. I feel like that's my boomer side coming out where I'm like, OK, fine, like we can. But I, I think it's it's necessary. It's yeah. a necessary evil. But there are times, frankly, where I'm like, I just don't feel like it's it takes a lot of uh, emotional labor to be that type of manager. And I think it works. Yeah. But like I'm, I'm half and half. What about you? I, okay, so I think it depends a little bit. I think in times of the business of like peacetime, lots of revenue, everything's mm-hmm. going perfect, super profitable. I'm very millennial manager mm-hmm. Like I definitely, we've had a period of time and I think when we have just like in different economies, we'll have more or less perks. So we've had a period where I offered like hypnotherapy to all of my leadership team <laughs> to work through their limiting beliefs. It was she said, re- I'm a Gen Z manager. So I feel like <laughs> a little Gen so like I'll totally do stuff like that mm-hmm. and um, do sort of like feeling check. But I do think when it's like go time and we need to be really focused, I will do less of that. Like it just got to get done. Yeah. I also think the more I trust someone, the more millennial manager chill I am. The more I don't trust you to get it done, the more I'm on you. That makes sense. And I do think that there's probably something there, though, that becomes a doom loop a little bit. 
hundred percent. Which is like you you conveying that attitude to someone. It's like people can tell when you don't trust them, and then you get a little bit insecure, and then you like don't want to do the wrong thing and make a bad decision. So then you pull back more, and then the manager's like, "What the hell? Why aren't you like giving me more than that?" And and then it kind of just becomes a, a cycle yeah. that's hard to break. I think I think once we're doom looping that, we possibly are close to the end. Yep. I do think to break out of it, it requires a more like millennially feelings conversation about like talk like it feels. Kind of tense in our relationship. Let's talk. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Like, how are you feeling? Like, to break out of it, it's really hard to break out of it in the like brute force, like just get the thing done energy. I think the only way you can break out of it is like that chill. My worst boomer trait. (laughs) I feel so bad. I'm like, baby boomers, (laughs) if you watch this show, I love you. Um, My worst trait, though, that people will give me a hard time for on my team is that. I am definitely the person that will like slack at all hours as I think of things. And and I care about like when people are working, which is like cardinal sin. Like everyone says you should not care about that as long as things are getting done. But like if someone's like, oh, well, I only work nine to four or like, well, my hours are now this to this. I'll be like, "Okay, so can I like then I might be like, oh, okay, so I can schedule a meeting with you at five. Well, no, because blah, blah, blah. I think that I tend to. There's something about that boomer management style of like, or like the old guard of like the 40 hour work week and like these specific hours. It's just about expectation setting. Like, when can I know that you're available and I can, you know, ask you to meet? Or when can I know that I can be like pinging you for things? I mean, yeah, I feel you. This is a startup. We're always thinking about it, particularly from like a leadership perspective, perspective. Like, I'm, I I also do that. I slack people. And that's how I, I, when I think of it. I feel the same way where I'm like, well, we're not like a big incumbent firm. And like, we know we'll talk about this, not in this episode, but the peacetime wartime thing of like when things aren't going well, it's a little more all hands on deck. And you don't really have the luxury of like, well, I'm going to work three days this week and I'm taking a couple days off. It's like there's you kind of got to put the. And so I struggle with that, though, because I understand that my level of buy-in is different and like my level of incentive is different. And like, I don't, I don't want to be someone that makes people feel spread thin. And I ultimately do think that work-life balance should exist. I think that's where my like conflicting beliefs kind of butt heads where I'll be like, no, but this is the most important thing and this needs to take precedence. And like, everyone should be going full force at this. So much of being a good manager is inspiring people to be really excited about working extra hours for whatever needs to get done too. So I think that's the hard part. Like my boyfriend is really good about this. Like in his meetings with his team, they're like, yeah, like he gets really good. Like like, Viking energy, Viking energy. And I am not good at getting the Viking energy going. Like I'm really not great at that. Uh, But I see how valuable it's so valuable to motivate people to motivate people, and to motivate yourself honestly because I think that's where I love that you brought that up because I think I am currently working on how do I how do I hold things back when appropriate I've kind of always just had this probably overly transparent Mm. uh, management style where I might share something with someone that's actually going to demotivate them or demoralize them if they know how bad something really is. So where is it valuable to, no, 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 this is a hype session. Like I got to get this person excited to see how valuable their contribution is going to be, why this really matters, why they count, as opposed to, hey, shit's dark. And like, we got to get it together because things are not going well. Like that is, there's a very different, like you get very different outcomes when you approach the same situation in those two different And there are some people on your team who are not great strategic thinkers and they're not thinking like able to think about like the big picture and they haven't had like the highs and lows of a business before and giving them all of the nitty gritty of like all the doom and gloom that's not working is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. I would say the doom and gloom is probably not good for anyone. I think that. I think I've made mistakes by not letting my senior leadership in mm, on the doom. Interesting. So that they could come up with solutions and ideas. I sort of assumed at many stages, like, oh, I'm the only one who can help us figure out the plan out of this. And I think I've made a lot of mistakes doing that. So I think it depends on how strategic of a thinker that person is. And I think it's a really great test for yourself to be like, do I have anyone on my team who I could give that information to? And they would not be threatened. They'd be like, all right great we got it like I have two leaders on my team right now who run growth and operations who like I don't even know how they stay so calm sometimes and all of it and I think that came from me getting like we were saying earlier like shamed about not having thought peers 
So I assume probably there are people in the, we got to think of a name for the community. The, what were we saying before? The boss house? Boss house? The boss house. H-A-U-S, boss house. Yes. I assume that this is probably a pretty relevant yeah. topic. It just, I mean, management in general is like a make or break skill. But I think that... um. Or you have a boss and they're managing you. We all yeah, managing up. I mean, yeah. like uh, upward or downward, right? Or side to side, even. Yeah. But I think something that is a a hard skill to manage is what you you kind of alluded to it, where you're like, okay, if we're doom looping that hard, like we're probably near the end. I think managing out when something is not <laughs> yeah. working is also a really valuable. It's it's a, it's something to have frameworks around like you got to have a framework for how you're going to handle this you don't want to be like approaching this in different ways every time or just like struggling your way through it the number one mistake that i've made in business is not letting people go who are operating at a low level fast enough Hmm. and how much time i mean I feel like wasted. No, no, no. But how much time <laughs> lot, would you? A lot of money, a lot of time. How much time would you give someone? Of okay, we're hitting them with the levels one through five. We're hitting them with the managing through questions. We're using all these different frameworks with yeah. people. What is kind of the breaking point where it's like, gotta go? Like it's not improving. It's it's staying. You know, at a level one or two. We're not seeing a, an upward trajectory. Like yeah. I don't know that I have a framework for when the breaking point is because admittedly, I let it go too long. Why? I almost always let it go too long. Discomfort? I almost always am like, I or think, just like faith in people. I think it's like, I want them to win. I want yeah. them to get it. So like I chance and then we do another chance and we do another chance. <laughs> but like if there's so many chances and I also like, I think now I have more tools. So I know the like framework about giving the people the levels. I know the framework about asking questions and how I manage someone so they have enough space to come up with their own ideas. Now that I know those frameworks, I can look at myself and be like, I've done all the things on my end as a manager I've done a lot of things you're never going to have done like everything you needed to perfectly manage that person but I've done a lot so I've done my part now we need to sort of transition this to me clearly outlining for them that this is not working you'll pip what the pip what's that mean performance improvement plan oh that's like so corporate speaking and I've been out of corporate corporate for so long I don't call it a pip I'm a little more fresh out of the corporate world but yeah the pip but I feel like most times when someone gets put on a pip I would say more often than not they're gonna leave because they they will choose to leave because they know that things are not going well I think usually by the time it gets that I mean, I've seen some remarkable turnarounds, don't get me wrong, but I do think that by the time it gets to that point, most people self-select out because yes. it's like it's like a pride thing. Yes, 100%. 100%. And the I probably don't use the pip. Pip feels a little boomer. A little pip pip. It's a little like it's a little old school management, but I think I have maybe my own version of this. Okay. And this is like what I call like the strengths and like superpower is kryptonite. That's right a very, t- you look like a superpower or a superhero right now. It's kind of giving villain, right? I'm in my villain. It's a Luke. Well, I was going for like Nickelodeon slime. Who is the villain in Kim Possible? <gasps> it starts with SH. Shigo. I don't know, but I'm, I'm here for it. That's a great, yes. yes. Okay. So talking about managing folks out. There's this framework that I use around like okay. su- superpowers, kryptonites. So this is what I do. Like when it's clearly like going a little wonky, we have a meeting and we cl- I clear the agenda for the meeting. We're not talking about business or whatever thing needs to get done. Pause on that, which is sometimes hard to do when that person's not getting the thing done. And I'm like, okay, talk to me about what you feel are your superpowers, mm. things you're really good at. And I open up a Google document. I share my screen on Zoom usually. And I take notes as they talk. Mm. Like, what are the things that feel easy to you? Your zone of genius? What does that look like? And I'm just, like, taking bullet point notes. And sometimes I reflect back to them. I think someone who operates at a really low level has no answers to that already. Someone who's more be higher has a few in the back of their head that they think they know, right? And then I go, okay, tell me about 
kryptonite, things that like you're, you should not be responsible for. That's not your thing. That's not your jam. Like we all have to like know ourselves. And sometimes here I'll give an example for myself. So I'll put myself vulnerable first. Love. Right. So I'll say, I'm really bad at like doing the same thing over and over consistently. Just like don't, and everybody kind of like on the team knows that. Like if, if we need to figure out how to do something for the first time, Tara should do it. If not, if it, once it's consistent, Tara should get out of it. Right. So people joke and kind of laugh about that. It's like, okay, tell me about yours. And they tell me sort of what they're not great at and I'm taking notes. And then we transition to, okay, let's talk about the role, right? And like what, what's going on in the role and what the role needs, like even outside of you, just like what's needed when it comes to marketing at a company, what co needed when it comes to customer service, whatever the person's job is. And we bullet point out sort of the job. What's always interesting too as a startup is like sometimes the job has morphed and evolved. It's not just, we could go look at the bullet points of the job description. Sometimes it's changed. Sometimes mm -hmm. like we've had a scenario where like marketing at Apps Without Code years ago is totally different than it is now. And so the things that someone needed, were we just added different things. There were different parts of the business. So um, we write out the role. And then I kind of start color coding, right? I start marking the things that are their superpowers in the role description in like a green mm -hmm. and marking the things that are on their kryptonite list on like a red and maybe some things in the middle is yellow. So we kind of color code it and I kind of ask them what they think. We kind of do it collaboratively. I'm not trying to tell them what it is. So it's you ask about the superpowers, then we get the kryptonites, and then we color code quickly through the job description so they can see how those things map onto what is expected? Yes, okay. first write out Tracking. the job description, then color code it. Tracking. Right? And sometimes they can see very clearly, <laughs> like, oh, I'm in the wrong job. Well, you're making it pretty easy to visualize. <laughs> but we have to, We've like- We've got colors. <laughs> we gotta get on the same page about this because it is not working and I need you to to get it together is mm -hmm. really the conversation. But it's like in a fun collaborative superpowers, kryptonite, we acknowledge their superpowers yeah. kind of way, right? So then we have to look at the gap, right? And a lot of people are gonna be like, I can just fill, I can fill that gap. Like I can, I can get better at that. Mm. And I have to, at that point as the manager, think about, do I really believe that this person can get better at this? How much do you push back then? If you're doubting, let's say, let's say that person's saying, oh, I got it. I can get it. Like, I'll be fine. Maybe up until this point, so yeah. much has happened that you're like, eh, don't really know if I feel really like c comfortable or confident about that. What do you say? How do you push back? Yeah, this is something that I had come up recently and my executive coach had to help me with this. He gave me this like framework. It's like a matrix of skills and will. Okay. Like somebody might have like low skill, but really high willingness to go like mm -hmm. get that skill and learn it. And some people got low skill and low will. Like they're not good at it and they don't want to get good <laughs> at it. Right? Like that's a, that's a problem in and of itself. I think the trickiest one for me is high, low skill, high will. Okay. You want to. I think that's where I often give too many chances. Okay. I think it kind of also just comes down to like my gut of like, mm -hmm. do I think this person can fill the gap fast enough for us to get there in a reasonable time. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is like, I can't slow the business down because your personal growth needs more time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard thing about being a manager is like you gotta make all the hard decisions that no, like literally your job is to make the decisions people don't wanna make. Ooh. I think in the past I've found that it's better for me when I when I first bring someone in to set very high level expectations and then kind of see what they do with the yes. role first and then really, really lay it. This is where I've made mistakes in the past mm -hmm. is I have not then clearly communicated. Here's what like ideal would look like. Here's like let me set really, really clear expectations, because I think yeah. what you're describing is is as as I'm listening to this, I'm like, I feel like there have been times where. I've worked with someone where I haven't even really, I kind of just assumed that they would know what to do or yeah. that I assumed that they had the skill set. And it was kind of like, well, they're not, it's not telepathy. They don't yeah. know what you want them to do. But because I've seen people come into roles where I had a completely different idea about what they were going to do and they took it in a different direction and that direction was actually better. Yeah. I feel like the clear expectations and some of these types of, you know, 
role clarity exercises while I could see someone listening to this and be like, oh, I'm just going to like do that from the jump. Like we'll just like come out the gate getting really clear about expectations. Sometimes I feel like you got to give it a second to see like how much are they really going to run with this themselves? And that might be a seniority thing, but. This is back to operating at level five. Yeah. Right. Like I think someone who's senior is not just has a fancy title, but that's someone who can operate at that high level. And I think that at a startup, if you come in and you're like, or at a small business, and you come in and you're like, I'm just gonna wait to get all the clear expectations. Like that, it, mm-hmm. it ain't mm-hmm. gonna work. Like that's not how, like, I don't even know some, like a lot of right. stuff. Like I don't have the expectations about how it's gonna go. We're trying it for the first time. We're trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So I think that you can't be, I like your approach of not trying to do, go so hard on the expectations up front. But I do think some of these things about managing along the way at a small business, those are the most important things. And then you just have the end, have to make decisions that no one else wants to make. And sometimes you gotta like hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. And let people go. And I think if I look at most of my financial mistakes in business, it's been having people on payroll and keeping them that just weren't really contributing at a level five. Mm. Yeah. We talked about a lot of frameworks today. Yeah. I think that's something that we we will either put those in the show notes, in the description, on the video. Yeah, and that article that I share yes. with people. We I can think share that, that this is stuff that I want to experiment more with yeah. and try out more myself. So I'm like, I'm probably gonna end up just jotting all this down anyway. So and we'll be- definitely share this. And before we go, I wanna like do a little sort of debate quiz kind of conversation with you. Okay. Around what you should delegate first. Mm, okay. What you should delegate first. So when you're making your first hire, do you think you should delegate the things that you're good at? Or do you think you should delegate the things that you're bad at first? I say delegate the things that you're bad at first because when you are a tiny team of one, I don't think you really have the luxury to be delegating the stuff you're good at because then you're left with all the stuff you're bad at. So for example, I hired an email marketing person to help me out uh, when I was trying to expand the business and the amount that that increased our sales. It was someone that was bringing Ah. money into the company using a very powerful tool that I did not understand. Mm. And so I think it's kind of a twofold thing where it's someone that is gonna understand a driver of growth that you don't currently yeah. have and can kind of come in quickly and start and start filling that gap for you. So I would say I'm team fill the gap first before you start offloading the things that you actually have the proficiency for. Yeah, you're good. Delegate what you're good at first is what you're saying. No, no, no. I'm saying delegate what you're bad delegate at. Delegate what you're bad at. Yeah. First. This is tricky because I think the other side of this is that like if you're a team of one, like you're just starting, the reality is that you can probably only manage someone doing the stuff you know how to do hmm. like you just sometimes can't be that so if someone comes in and they're a rock star you luck out and that's perfect they just like take that thing that you're bad at and run and they're getting results but I think what happens a lot of times is like people hire someone to do something they're bad at and they're like I don't know how to do this thing so I don't know if they're doing a good job or a bad job and this person can just like lollygag and mess around for a long time and not get stuff done and you don't even know how to manage them. So, like, this is a hard one. I'm thinking about the mess around Sue. The mess around Sue. That's what my mom calls it when I'm just, like, not getting stuff done. You're, you're lollygagging. You're doing the mess around I, Sue, girl. I don't go. know, man. I think it's a... I think it's a risk reward thing. Yeah. I hear you. I yeah. think I think you... But you have to kind of earn that luxury of being able to judge someone I mean like you kind of gotta put your ass on the line a little bit and be like well I'm just gonna try to trust that this person I think you can intuit a little bit about whether or not they're doing a good or bad job but I think in the beginning you got to get someone in the door that can bring in money that also knows how to do something that you don't know how to do so if you're watching this on YouTube we would love if you could come in the comments or you can come over to YouTube and tell us what you think do you think you should delegate what you're good at first or you should delegate what you're bad at First, we would love to hear. We can kind of come in and chat mm-hmm. with you about it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear what people say because I'm too. torn on this. I am too, actually. I think I could see this going. Could make a case either way, could make a case. one way or the other. Okay, well, I think that's it for this week's show. Thanks for tuning in to another week of Bossy. Remember to put your comments in the YouTube video if you're a YouTube watcher, and we will share out the frameworks some way, somehow. TBD. You'll get them. <laughs> You'll get them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.